one of my favorite articles to read. I'm absolutely elated about this. I'm reading from SportsIllustrated.com. Deion Sanders of Jackson State out-recruited the Power Five and sports figures are worried. Head coaches, sports radio personalities, fans, and even Florida lawmakers are having difficulty digesting the fact that Deion Sanders and Jackson State out-recruited Power Five programs to land Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter's decision to attend Jackson State University, and Travis Hunter's the, the, the top prospect. He's the number one player on Rivals.com in the class of 2022. His decision to, to go play for Coach Prime has unveiled fears and polarizing viewpoints from mainstream sports figures. Now, Florida State had a chance to hire Deion Sanders. And they gave that position to Mike Norvell, who was 8-13 and 13 in two seasons as head coach of, of Florida State University. And had he landed this prize recruit, he would have been, he would have been significantly praised for, for, for that signing. But now people are, are angry at Coach Sanders, and, they, and, he's the, and they're referring to him as the, the, quote, culprit for losing Hunter to a Power 5 school. His victory was met with negative assumptions, insinuations of impropriety. Even a Florida lawmaker entered the fray against Sanders and Jackson State with accusations. Some pointed to the NIL market as the primary reason for Hunter's choice to join the HBCU football team. Even had Florida State Chip LaMarca getting involved to it, saying, what's ironic? I'm both the Florida State and a Dion fan. What is the reason to go from a program, because he was supposed to initially go to FSU, that was in the top five for 12 years straight with three national titles to some small HBU, HBCU in Mississippi? I take that to heart because I went to some small HBCU in Alabama. And I and I talk about my my parallel when when I when I get in a boardroom and I'm up against somebody that went to Harvard or Yale or one of those type of schools and how I how I just love eating their lunch. So you have the same effect with, with Deion Sanders because obviously Coach Prime is gonna be able to get the 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 players. I mean, this is this Deion Sanders is a legend. Even to young people, he's a legend. Not just for his play on the field, but the but the gravitas, the machismo. If there was a if there was a all time great, you have your twenty two best starters in the NFL. Deion Sanders is on that team. Best cornerback, perhaps to ever play the position. And then you throw in the kick returns, you throw in the flash, you th- you th- you throw in the jewelry, the cars, the the money, the lifestyle. I mean, Deion Sanders was signing thirty million contracts back at thirty million dollar contracts back in the nineties. So this guy was a bad boy. If he was, if he was the he was the left quarterback for the Cowboys, he's shutting off half the field. Him, Revis Island are the only two that I can literally say they shut off half the field in their prime. You are not throwing to their side of the field in their prime. It just doesn't make sense. You rather just you might as well just take a safety. You might as well punt. Because it's going to be a pick. And with Prime, if he gets it, it's probably a pick six. And then he's going to strut and dance and, 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 you know, hey, must be the money, all of that stuff. So that's the swagger that, that Coach Prime brings. I actually think Pro, Coach Prime – I actually think that Coach Prime is perfect for Miami. I thought that he was perfect for the Miami job. I know he's a Florida State guy. He probably would have never taken that job. And they got Crystal Bowl there. I don't think the Crystal Bowl is the guy. I think you got to have some swag in Miami. You got to have, have people that are about the jewelry – 
that are about that life. And I think Prime is a good crossover for that because he'd be a mentor because he knows about Prime knows about the parties and the yachts and the women and the jewelry and all that stuff. But he also knows now that he's older, more mature, he can say, hey, guys, have some fun, have some parties. But, but we don't have to be like the you back in the 80s. It doesn't have to be thug you. So people are going to be upset because he's going to flip a lot of recruits, especially down in the South. People are going to want to go play for him. And with NIL, just like I supported Quinn Ewers when he left Ohio State to go to Texas, basically he reclassified as a senior. So he should be a senior in high school. He enrolled early at Ohio State in what should have been his senior year. He collected north of a million dollars, only played like three or four snaps. He never wanted to go to Ohio State, never cared about Ohio State. He just wanted to make as much money. He wanted to go to the biggest brand outside of Texas that he could go to. He went to Ohio State. He got his money. He went back to Texas. Now he's at Texas. He'll be a redshirt freshman, but it'll basically be his freshman year. He'll probably probably start as a freshman. And now he's north of a million dollars richer. So I'm not going to crush the kid. He's pulling up. In Austin in a G-Wagon. I wasn't driving a G-Wagon when I was 18 years old. So I'm not going to hate on him because I'm about free market capitalism. And I said on this show all the time, there are a lot of people that love free market capitalism until it comes back to bite you in the tuchus. And if you look at the quote from that congressman, he just he basically thinks, hey, this is some scrub HBCU school in Mississippi. Why would you want to go there? Ignoring the fact that Florida State sucks and they have bad culture, and they're getting boat raced by pretty much everyone they play in the ACC. They're getting hammered by Miami. They're getting hammered by Clemson. They're getting hammered by Virginia Tech. It's not really a destination anymore. Even Florida's not really doing that well right now. Miami's not doing that well right now because you don't have to keep all your great players in Florida. They can go play somewhere else, get just as much exposure. And the NIL money is a game changer because you don't have to go to, to a Power 5 school anymore. If you're, if you're good, they're going to find you in the league. And I know we're on a D.C., a W.O.L. There's no reason that, that, that Howard and Hampton can't get in, in, into this. You got, the, you got your guys like Antoine Pate that went, to, that went to Howard and played for Mike Colts. I remember the Colts drafting him in the fourth round. I was like, if this guy went to Howard and he got drafted in the fourth round, he's got to be an absolute stud. That means if he went to Alabama – or he went to Oregon or SC or Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or Miami. That means that he would have been drafted in the top 15. So expect to see people besmirch Coach Sanders. Expect people to come after him. Expect somebody to dig up some Me Too stuff on him. Expect somebody to find a way to squelch this man because he's changing the paradigm. And what's more important to me and I say this all the time. I want to see more of our elite athletes go to HBCUs. And now with the NIL money, you can, you can get the bag. I wasn't going to rip on someone. See, if I was in those shoes, I definitely would have gone to Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State in the past because that's the best path to the NFL. It's the best coaching. It's the, the, the best training table. It's the, it's the best facilities. We know that these people are not focused on education, and that's not – that's not the stereotypical dumb jock. Is you can't go to a football factory and, and get a degree in molecular biology. 
you don't have the time. You're not going to law school. You're not doing any of those things. You're going to have to take a major that doesn't have labs, that, that has limitations, because you're there to play football. If you go to Wisconsin, you're there to play football. Wisconsin's a great school. You're not there to get an elite education. You're, you're there to take the easiest classes you can take and manage your football schedule. You're, you're, you're beholden to your football team first, second, and third. If you go to Texas, you ain't there to, to get a master's in calculus. You're there to prepare for, for, for the Red River shootout. You're there to, 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 to play. Now that they're going into the SEC, you're there to prep for their game against Bama when they're going to get their faces kicked in. And now with these NIL rules, you can get paid and go to a smaller school. If you're a big brand and, and you're an elite player, then you just pick the school that you want to go to or you think that you're going to have the coach that you like and you're going to have the best experience. You might not want the spotlight. You might want to fly under the radar. And you have that opportunity to get paid. So now you're going to see people go where they want to go because the kids are now going to be in control, and I'm here for it. I love it. And in our African-American athletes, the truth of the matter is, a lot of these schools didn't want us to go there. You go two generations back, they didn't want us to go to their schools. We forget about that. They did not want us at Alabama. They did not want us at the Florida schools. Go to the U documentary, and you see those guys. You, you, you see all of those great players from the U talk about how they were treated in Coral Gables. And we have to fight to integrate for these schools. Why are we standing in line to make these schools billions these kids could go to Howard, they could go to Hampton, they could go to FAMU, they could go to Alabama A&M. And with NIL deals, they can bring in money, they can bring in money for these schools. And in 20 years, you can have the same great stadiums and, and great experiences at Grambling that you would have at LSU. And that's what scares, that's what scares the bejesus out of the establishment. Because there's nothing like actually thinking that the the young black players that come play for you are subhuman animals and of low IQ, but you're making billions off of them. And then once those subhuman animals of low IQ figure out that we could cut out the middleman, like, like Marlo cutting out proposition Joe to get to the Greeks, we can cut the middleman out. We can just make our money NIL. We can go to the smaller schools. We can, we can get a better one-on-one education at least you're not going to have at these hbcus you don't have the same level of large institutionalized education and and and, and platforms but you get more and more more one-on-one time if you can't pass statistics you can get more one-on-one time with your professor when you're reading uh jane Eyre and great expectations so it's something to think about i i'm, I'm a big fan i think when do we as african-american community when do we get off the plantation? And when do we harness our own talents? And not just African-American athletes, but athletes, period. Why let the system bleep you over when you're the talent? You're, you're, you're steering this. It's your career. Go out, get that bag, get as much money as you could possibly get. And then we create people that instead of being instead of being in the hole financially you come out of college you get a degree if you're really really smart your red shirt you get that fifth year you get a graduate degree maybe you come out graduate degree maybe you got 500 grand 
in pocket. That changes lives. That changes legacies. And that shapes the opportunity for, for generational wealth and success. John and April Nixon coming in on a, on a Wednesday next. And uh, we'll be back with more of the Lance Day Show after these messages. You look healthy. For a man who was gut shot, you reached out to a third party who engaged me in the purpose of holding your towers. That third person's word was your word as he represented you. That's right. And I ran those East Baltimore gentlemen off. I held up my end of the agreement, at least for as long as I was physically able. You did. Your man then set up a meet at Butchie's Bar. Your man told Omar Little that I was responsible for the torture of a young boy who was close to Mr. Little's heart. Your man, in effect, sought to have me hit. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios is now a full-service consulting firm specializing in healthcare leadership. We are now helping our portfolio of clients with their strategic focus towards risk adjustment, star ratings, value-based contracting, and social determinants of health programs. Our burgeoning media empire reaches a diverse audience of 100,000 listeners weekly, putting us in a rare position to service architects, both on the strategic and promotional side of the healthcare continuum. Build your brand with Paragon 7 Studios. James Lewis. I see a lot of people, a lot of companies, and have had companies reach out to me about consulting, even about being their CEO. And their leadership is not good. Bad board, bad C-suite, inept, incompetent buffoonery. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. A lot of you out there listening to this, you look at people that run these companies. Some of these companies, you look at them, they're making millions of dollars. They wear red-bottom shoes. They're driving very high-level uh, European automobiles. And you say, man, these people should have it together. But I'm telling you, I work with some of these people. Some of these people that run these companies are complete morons. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon. He's the paragon of sports talk excellence, the Heisenberg of broadcast radio, the Wolf of Wall Street. You are listening to James Lewis III, host of the Lance J Radio Network. When I'm not doing the health cast, I consult for many startups and ACOs who are new to the healthcare business. Episource serves Medicare, commercial, and Medicaid plans with an experienced risk adjustment team that cares about results and building partnerships. With the largest health plans and healthcare organizations as clients, Episource aims to obtain the best medical chart retrieval rates, the highest coding accuracy, and the maximum level of project satisfaction. For information on Episource, go to www.episource.com and fill out one of their contact forms to request a demonstration. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Welcome to Just John and April, the relationship podcast. 
your place to level up your intimacy and in this episode your relationship yes because we're talking about a little different kind of relationship today yes we are what's, what's up, up y'all everybody how y'all doing so glad to be here with lance J. yep as always yes and we're excited about our guest today. Yes, we are. We have a guest today. T- today's episode is slightly different simply because we usually talk about relationships to people. And uh, today we're going to be talking about our relationship to food. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love food. We are foodies. Yes. You all know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are very excited because we are talking to someone who is all about black women going vegan. Yeah. I think and this is I'm a, big a black deal. woman. I've been vegan for a while now. Yes. And well, I'm gonna say veganish because right. I do, you know. Everybody that knows, the holidays, us knows you're veganish. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and we're we gonna ask we're gonna ask our guest today whether or not that's okay. You yes, we need to ask her that, <laughs> and I, and so I can know exactly what I need to be doing. <laughs> but today, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guest. Today, yes. we are gonna be talking to Tracy McCorder, mm-hmm. and she is a vegan change agent, award-winning public health nutritionist, speaker, and best-selling author of "By Any Means Necessary," Mm-mm. "By Any Greens Necessary." There you go. Look at me reading it the way by any, which I love that title. That's so creative by any greens necessary. The first vegan diet book for black women Mm -hmm. and ageless vegan. She is also the co-creator of the free African-American vegan starter guide with nearly 500,000 copies ordered. Mm -hmm. Tracy has been helping people go vegan for more than 30 years. The New York Times cited her work as a key factor driving the rise in veganism among African-Americans who are the fastest growing vegan demographic. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Very interesting. In 2020, Tracy created the 10,000 Black Vegan Women Program with more than 15,000 women signing up to go vegan together for 21 days, resulting in extraordinary health benefits. Mm. That is amazing. And we're so glad to have Tracy. We're happy to have you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy, for joining us today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and to share with us this inspiring topic. Welcome. Yes, thank welcome. you, thank you, Justin April. It's great to be here with you. Yes, so we're glad we're glad to have you on Just John and April today. Yes. So here, here's my question to you. Um, first of all, have you always been vegan? How, how long have you been vegan, and and what prompted you to embrace a vegan lifestyle? Uh, John, I'm sorry about that. No problem. I said your name wrong, but thank you for the correction, John and April. It's great to be with you. Um, what prompted me to go vegan is, uh, well, well, first my mother, we were raised as omnivores, but my mother was very health conscious. So we didn't have junk, uh, Mm. you know, junk food in the house. We didn't have sodas in the house. So, uh, I, she planted the early seeds and I hated it. I actually hated vegetables (laughs) and anything healthy. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Hate it, hate it, hate it. So parents out there, you know, know that there's hope your kids are that way now. Um, but when I was a sophomore at Amherst College, Dick Gregory, our Black Student Union brought Dick Gregory to talk about the state of Black America and wow. t- instead talk about the plate of Black America and how unhealthily most folks eat and why we should become vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And he had become vegetarian in 1965 because he ex- uh, extended the philosophy of nonviolence in the civil rights movement to animals. You know, he was a right-hand person to King. And then two years, <clears throat> excuse me, two years later in 67, he became a vegan for health reasons. And so by the time he came to my campus in 1986, he'd been vegetarian for 20 years, wow. had this big Bahamian uh, diet drink. And I remember I, the drink. Yeah. 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 
this mini empire going and we had no idea. So wow. his talk really rocked my world. And, and the year before that, in my first year in college, I had gained 25 pounds because I was wow. away from home and eating whatever I wanted. Yeah. But what got it for got what his lecture did for me was to connect the dots between not just food and health, but food and social justice. Wow. Um, and all of these, uh, you know, all of these ways that food impacts not only our personal lives, but, you know, politics and, and other and, and other things as well. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. Very so that, interesting. That's really interwoven there and uh, sounds like kind of a big deal. So I can see now where you get this uh, kind of advocacy for mm-hmm. black women thing and mm-hmm. why it connects. What, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen for black women when it comes to health and, and their health care? And is, is that what got your 10 million black vegan women movement started? Absolutely. So I wanted it initially started because when um, my sister and I and my mom, we all went vegan together back in the 80s. We didn't know about this. And mm. um, and there were no books that were written, vegan books, vegetarian books that were written specifically for black women. And so when I wrote By Any Reason Necessary in 2010, I had been vegan for quite a while. Um, and I wanted to write the book that I wish had been available for me in the 80s. Wow. And, yeah. you know, Toni Morrison said, write the book you want to read. And yes. I'm a writer at heart. So I wrote that book because everything was targeting white women. And mm. um, I wanted to make the connections that Dick Gregory made. Um, and so for me, you know, it all starts in the mind. I say, liberate your mind and your mouth will follow. <laughs> and so what I have found teaching women of, um, you know, all economic backgrounds for these past three decades is that no matter what, um, women don't have the information. We we are not taught why this food is the healthiest food to eat. Mm. And um, we're not taught why we're not taught it, like what the food industry is about um, and, you know, these connections. And so once I share the connections, you know, Bell Hooks calls it white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, right? Well, mm. that affects health, that affects housing, that affects employment that affects education it also affects health so there is a there is a whole uh reason there are many many reasons why um we eat the way that we eat and personal choice is just a small part of that it's by design Mm -hmm. that we are um not told about what's healthiest to eat because it's profitable for us to be sick so when I share these, when I connect these dots and I share this information, women of all kinds of backgrounds, economic, educational, geographic, they get it. Yeah, and they yeah. immediately want to do something uh, for themselves and their families. So um, it's it's basically just not having the same information. Yes, 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 yes. So you have been able to educate black women who have not been able to be exposed to that. Absolutely. That's that's where it all starts. And so I started, um, you know, 10,000 black vegan women last year because I was celebrating the 10th anniversary of, of By Any Greens Necessary uh, last year. And I wanted to do something more to help more black women, like in a concerted effort. And so I came up with this idea to have 10,000 women go vegan together um, in 21 days. And that was in February of 2020. And then in March, COVID happened. So we pushed mm. it back to October thinking, oh, it'll all be over by then. 
Wow. Uh, but but it gave us time to to get the word out even more. And because of COVID and the fact that African-Americans were the most exposed um, because we had pre-existing uh, health conditions, mm-hmm. but also because Black women in particular were considered essential workers. We were the service yes, workers. Yes. So we had all this exposure for yes. a variety of reasons. And so it became urgent, I think, for women around the country to want to get healthy, to uh, boost their immune system and just figure out how to get healthier in general. And so that led more women to sign up. So we had 15,000 women um, who who signed up and it was a it's a free online program. And the key was that we all went vegan together for 21 days. Yes, yes, yes. So what challenges do you see when it comes to uh, the black women who were in your program moving from, you know, a regular everyday diet to now vegan? I mean, that's like when people hear that, you know, I've gone vegan, they're like, oh, how did you do that? So, <laughs> you know, I want to know what what have you found, the, you know, have you found difficulty trying to um, – encourage uh, these women to move to that new new type of eating, or, or even new lifestyle, you know? <laughs> convincing them that it's, yeah. Yeah, do you have to, do you find you have to convince people to do right. that? Yeah, so what we do is, you know, it's three weeks, and the first week is all mental and kitchen preparation. Mm. And so we don't even start eating vegan until the second week. And that oh. mental preparation, the first week, and the kitchen prep is all about asking yourself why you want to do it. We talk about what the obstacles are. Are you trying to lose weight? Are you try- do you have a health condition? Like, and and if you are trying to lose weight, if you do have a health condition that you're experiencing that you want to um, deal with, why do you want to do that? Like, do you want to lose weight because you want to be healthier? Because you want to be here for your children and grandchildren? Like, what is the why? And that's fundamental because uh, to me, it's not just about nutrition 101, learning about where you get your protein, where you get your calcium, all of that. We do all of that. But because the society is so meat and dairy based, people mm. have to have a foundation yes. in why they want to change. Yes, it's mental. Yes, and I think is. that's so key with, you know, with, with what you all talk about with relationships, because it is it all comes down to why. Once you mm-hmm. understand what to do, you work backwards and yeah. you have to ground yourself in why this is good for me. Seven Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. You know what? I didn't tell you this, Lance. I went to Hampton. What? What? Yeah, I went to Hampton U. You went to Hampton? Yep. Man, you, we've been doing a show together for a whole year. You just pull it out that you went to Hampton? I never went to class. I was just uh, partying. So you, so you enrolled at Hampton? James Lewis. You didn't I actually, enrolled at Hampton. You didn't actually go to Hampton. Well, 
I had a couple of good friends. They all went to Hampton, but and I was just sleeping on their couch, so Man. I went to some of the classes. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.